Hey guys, I'm Cherry. I'm Claire, and, and this, this is Dialogy Deep Dive. This is a new podcast that um, we are hosting for Dialogy, in which we're going to cover interviews for other big debaters, tips, speech analysis, current events, and more in a series of short videos. Let's start off with a few introductions of ourselves. I'm Cherry. I've been debating for three years now, and I really love swimming, knitting, cooking, etc. I'm Claire. I've been debating for a very long time, maybe since like fifth grade, um, and I'm pretty boring. I like to read. <laughs> I'm really into psychology right now, so that's I spend most of my time doing nerd things like watching documentaries and reading books and studies, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. We're both high schoolers. We are in 11th grade. Mm -hmm. um, and we are very excited to share our debated stories with you. So let's get right into our first topic of this episode, which is to debunk the top five myths about partnering. So let's get right into it. <laughs> so first of all, you should only partner with your friends and you need to partner with the same person every time. Claire, what do you think? This is a really common thing that I remember thinking when I was starting out debate um for some background i started out as a public forum debater i did that for a couple years and then i did world schools and now i do world schools and british parliamentary um i think same goes for cherry mm -hmm. and i think the initial concern that was there with partnering with friends is there was an idea that you should only be with those who you know only those who you get along with already and if you partner with someone you don't know or someone from a different school it's like super weird for like especially for competitions yeah it's like awkward and it's like not cohesive <laughs> um and there was a big concern with what we called i don't know if this is necessarily a concern that happens here at dialogy but we had a big concern with what we called like long-term or permanent partners mm, where yeah. you have to be with one person and for every competition you would go to that competition with the same person if they can't go to a competition you're not going um and if you're in like a world schools team same people or you always have to have like one stable partner um i think this is a very incorrect mindset because most of my best partner experiences have been with people that i don't know very well and with like fresh opportunities or with switching up the team lineups um right now we are in a interesting circumstance in which we are all <laughs> training online which means that people have much more opportunities to train with people from different places at least for us mm -hmm. and it's given us a lot of opportunities to partner with different people like every week and that is very important i think <laughs> i don't know what i was gonna say that's very important i think to be able to be flexible as people to adapt to different styles different um dynamics yeah i totally agree and i feel like sometimes there's a misconception that friends always know you best intellectually and personally i feel like when i partner with people that i don't know that well or i partner with people that i'm not really friends with outside of debate i actually end up collaborating with them much better because it's just a refreshing environment and i'm able to really approach the debate with a new mindset and with new opinions because sometimes your friends might think either too similar or too different 
from you in terms of like an academic and intellectual standpoint and that's not always the best way to approach a debate so personally i think that through my own debating and competitive experience i've actually really enjoyed working with all types of people especially from like outside of the country for example due to like going online and training debate at zoom and like other online platforms so I think that it's not necessarily true that you should only partner with your friends. You don't always have to stick with the same partner at like every single tournament. In fact, I love to switch up my partners and just make debate really entertaining and interesting. It's not really like exciting anymore if you just continuously meet the same people or work with the same people. So that's definitely something that is important in terms of keeping debate fresh and keeping debate enjoyable. I think um, just to add to that a little bit, I am thinking specifically of one partner I have. We'll call her W. Um, and the problem I had with partnering with her was that I would partner with her so often that when it came to tournaments, we had the exact same ideas for every single round because yeah. we were so used to being like so in sync that we never had any fresh cases or fresh takes and we had difficulty challenging each other's ideas. And that's not always a good thing it's cool to be on the same page especially in bp when you only have like 15 minutes yeah you want to be on the same page you want to get things done but when you miss that like key element of like i don't know discourse or like unique thinking or yeah just, just slightly different thinking yeah that can be really challenging i do want to give some merit though to partnering with your friends it is awesome and especially when you're in like a big team like we're in the dev team for team china mm-hmm. um that is a definitely really exciting thing to have that sense of like camaraderie and like comfort and like knowing each other as speakers or having seen each other grow. That's always awesome, but you don't have to partner with the same people or only with people you know. Yeah, it's definitely really fun for you to partner with your friends because you kind of have your playtime during debate prep while also like sharing ideas <laughs> and you have these like really crazy stories that you guys can reflect on after the competition but it's just important to note that you don't always have to stick with your friends and sometimes it's just as valuable to partner with other people as well um with this in mind let's go on to the second myth um a lot of people think that you have to partner with people of the same skill level as you and that there's always a really obvious team carry and team drag in every single competition what do you think i think uh with the first thing about like people of different skill levels it of the same skill level it can be really valuable to go to a tournament with someone who is blatantly of a higher or lower level than you um for example, there are a lot of pro-am tournaments. Like at our school, we have um, SASTO, which is this like pro-am slash amateur tournament where usually really experienced debaters go with like absolutely like, people with no experience whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And that can be a really rewarding experience because it really forces you as the like pro to um, return to like all the basics and making sure that you're covering like it sounds obvious but basic persuasion and like elements of speech that would appeal to like and i don't know make sense to people who are not experienced debaters who are just like normal people who understand reason and logic and then to be on the am side to be able to see people who have such different thinking or such more experience in public speaking than you can also be super rewarding within like your average partnership though i definitely disagree that there's always a carry and always a drag mm-hmm. um I think it comes down to how much you're willing to participate within prep, how much you're willing to help. And 
as long as you're putting forth the effort, I think you're pretty much helping, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like there's not always going to be an obvious carry or drag because I feel like people contribute in different ways. And just depending on people's personality, the way that they contribute can be very different. And it might be implicit, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't putting as much effort just because they aren't as vocal in prep time, for example. I remember that my first few times debating and debating in a team, I was quite shy and I didn't really want to express my opinions, but I kind of tried to help in other ways. I tried to think of clashes, I tried to think of rebuttals, and even though I wasn't necessarily contributing toward the actual content of the case, I think everyone has their different ways and their different sectors of prep time that they're kind of in charge of or that they're more comfortable in. And in that sense, I think everyone has a different area that they can contribute in. And just because one person is necessarily more vocal, it doesn't make them a carry. Um, I think that there's also something to be said in skill level and having a slight gap between partners. I personally don't think that it's very very beneficial for there to be like a really intense gap because sometimes that can be intimidating toward some of the less skilled partners but i think having a slight difference in skill just a little bit is actually really cool because you're able to kind of appreciate the strengths and weaknesses of each other and you're able to both grow from that and sometimes when you're both on the same skill level you can either be more competitive with each other or you kind of don't have anything to learn from each other because you guys are both on the same foundational basis of skill um i think to add to what you were saying earlier about um different ways that people can contribute in teams and how like a lot of times these perceived gaps in skill level or like in contribution can be very much skewed um they're definitely i would say not not like stereotypes but like expectations of what makes you a good partner so Mm. usually in our circuit or like our um world right now our bubble it's if you're the person who is the case setter so like if you're the one who comes up with the arguments then you're the carry which Mm -hmm. is not necessarily true because as cherry was saying um there are people who take on different prep roles like those who push back against arguments those who come up with preemptions those who come up with like um i don't know anything outside of the skeletal case right yeah just like bringing questions toward how strong our case is yeah during prep time um and the captain of a team if you have one isn't always necessarily like the carry or shouldn't be given the responsibility of being the carry it just means that they're they have other responsibilities that they take on in within being the team so there doesn't have to be a carry and there doesn't have to be a drag Mm -hmm. you're only a drag if you make yourself one (laughs) that's (laughs) That's my that's my my two cents yeah i think also just during prep time or with your team don't think of yourself as like a certain status in the team as being the best one or the worst one just i think immerse yourself into the competition and honestly everything's gonna turn out okay so it i don't think that there has to be a really obvious differentiation between each person it's really a team sport and that's what's most important um if you have nothing to say let's go on and debunk the third myth A lot of people think that you should always partner with people of different speaker roles than you. I think that this is a really interesting one. Um, I think 
yeah, my personal experience with speaker roles has been very interesting. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has their own like little speaker role adventure. But for <laughs> me, I started out as a first speaker in public forum. I was, I always in class and like when I was preparing for cases and things, I was always the first speaker. And for some reason, at every single tournament, I was second speaker. So that really like freaked me out. It's like in a tournament, why am I the second speaker? Because my partner was a first speaker and I would be like, sure go for it you know and then um and then when i started world schools i start i went back to being a first speaker competitively like at the competitions and now i'm a third speaker and a second (laughs) speaker so i don't know how this happened i think it came out of being challenged by my coaches and by um by my partners to try different speaker roles being forced into them a little bit and i find personally my most comfortable speaker position but I can obviously do all of them Mm -hmm. right that's always something that you should strive for is to be able to do all of them and feel okay doing all of them but like my primary speaker roles currently are like second and third um what was I saying oh yeah (laughs) so so I think it is not true that you should always partner with people of different speaker roles than you because if they partner if you're what if you're <laughs> I have a point she's dysfunctional yeah I'm trying if your partner it happens to be of the same speaker role as you or you have significant overlap in your team of three it pushes you to do things that you otherwise wouldn't and going out of your comfort zone a little bit as a debater is kind of the whole point right you come across different motions you come across different teams different opponents different judges like the entire point is that you're constantly being pushed and I think this is mostly like an internal challenge of like oh my god i don't know how to structure a first speech or like what are clashes right like these like fears when you're pushed to do a speaker role that you're not used to um are really what helps us grow and helps us improve as speakers so i would argue that partnering with people of the same speaker role very good (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that like claire i had a very chaotic journey in terms of what type of speaker I am in a debate I actually started out I'm pretty sure a second speaker and then I gradually turned into a whip speaker or third speaker and now I surprisingly like first speaker and second speaker between those two and I think that the reason why I was able to make that transition was because I ended up with a team where all the speaker roles were the same or all of the strengths were the same and I kind of had to like like adapt and kind of take on first speaker and take on second speaker even though I was comfortable with third and now I'm actually really grateful for these experiences where I was stuck with literally all whip speakers or all deputy speakers such an awesome moment yeah it's such an awesome moment and you're like who's being whip and yeah. then everyone's like me yeah and then <laughs> no one's like and everyone's just like oh my god what are we gonna do but like having a reflective moment on it i think that i wouldn't have been able to become a first speaker now if i weren't put in these situations and the mindset that i like to carry if i'm stuck in a situation like this is the fact that like it's always good to learn how to do diverse speaker roles for the future and like you might as well just try it out now like just because you try it out doesn't mean that you have to stick with that speaker role and being able to challenge yourself with a different dynamic of people is able to contribute to that. So I definitely think that it's really valuable for you to like 
go with people of the same speaker role and kind of figure out who you want to be and what type of debater you want to be after the tournament. You'll be really surprised about what you find out about yourself um, after this competition, I think. I definitely agree with that. I think the most recent example I can think of for me was um, ESDC. What was the last tournament we did? Um, I think ESDC. Yeah, well, the last tournament that we competed in, um, up every single training up until that competition, I had been third. <laughs> and then um, our coach said, for this competition, Claire, you're going to be first speaker only. And I was like, what? Like, this yeah. entire time I've been practicing third, and now you want me to be first? And I was, like, super stressed about it. But after, like, the entirety of prelims, I was, like, super set into the first role, and I was like, this is awesome. And then in elims, he said, Claire, you're going back to third, and I, like, freaked out. I was yeah. like, uh, how do I do this? And then I was fine, right? I think a lot of this happens to be, like, in your mind. And it's hard to like get over like oh it happened last time so i'll be fine this time because there's mm -hmm. always that sense of like nervousness and unfamiliarity but you will be okay mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah same here i'm actually gonna i'm gonna just call this partner like partner h um i'm about to go with him or her on a bp tournament actually and we're both um we're both I think the same speaker role position, like we both like the more rebuttals, rebuttally speaker positions. And I'm kind of nervous, but I'm also kind of excited to kind of push myself to become first again. And I think that honestly, speaker positions and like what I find I'm comfortable with is really like interchangeable all the time. It depends on like what I'm practicing during debate training. Um, how many times I do the speaker positions like after one debate of doing first I'm like yo I'm set I'm a first speaker and then like the next competition I'm like oh I'm third speaker like I'm really good at third now so it honestly I think that it's all about practice like once you practice a, like a certain speaker position everything's okay and it's it's just about going with the flow and going with the dynamic of your team really um do you have anything to say? If not, let's... No, we can move on. Yeah, okay. Fourth and second to last myth that we're about to debunk, that you should prep the same way with every partner you have. I'm <laughs> nodding. You can't see, but I'm nodding. Um, <laughs> that is, for me, probably one of the biggest like things I had to learn because it is really awesome to have structured prep and to have like a formula for prep, right? So you guys probably were given by Dr. Peterson. <laughs> um, you guys were probably given um, a, like, a, a guide for how to prep. And I definitely believe that in most cases, especially when you're like starting out competitively, it is really important to stick to that script a little bit so that you don't feel overwhelmed when you go into a prep. You're like, what do I do? I don't know anything about this motion, right? That definitely helps us having a little bit of a structured way to think through it. But with every single partner, your prep dynamic will be different. So yeah, um, as I was saying earlier, the biggest thing I had to learn on my own was probably this because I for a while partnered with the same people over and over again W and A and when I stopped partnering with them and I was thrown in with a different person for BP person S I was so 
lost during prep like our dynamic was so off like we didn't have we weren't on the same wavelength at all we just like I don't know I would be like oh are we gonna have thinking time and she'd be like no I already have ideas (laughs) and I'd be like I'm not on the same page like give me like (laughs) four minutes yeah we would like freak out and every single prep would be a little bit of a jumbled mess because we were both trying to stick to the script stick to what we knew she was trying to I don't know, get me into the same dynamic that she had with her old partners. And I was trying to get her into the same dynamic that I had with my old partners. And we just like not recognizing that we were doing that led to like this whole, I don't know, dysfunctional mess. Um, Yeah, but it's as long as you recognize, I think that it won't be the same. They're different people. They have had different experiences up until this point prep is going to be a little different you can have the same general idea you can talk about how you want to approach it but people are going to be different Mm -hmm. i think that it's also really dependent upon how comfortable you are with that person like i know that i have debated with partners where like i've debated with them a lot and like i'm a lot more chillaxed with them i'm a lot more comfortable i'm kind of like not afraid to be quiet and that can definitely quiet (laughs) <laughs> I like I'm not afraid to kind of like have some silence in thinking mm-hmm. just because I know that it's not really awkward and like I just I'm very vibey with them but there's other times where like I'm super jittery because I don't really know what's going on this is a new person I'm just like I have to like contribute all the time every oh, second yeah. of every moment and I think that what you're feeling at that time period also affects the dynamic so in many like in many cases i like through my entire competitive experience every single team that i've been with i'm pretty sure our structure has been completely different just because people think differently and people are comfortable with like for example like first figuring out the clashes and then putting your case together based on those clashes and i have other teams where it's like we think of the case first and then we kind of go with the flow from there so just depending on who you're with how comfortable you are with them it's always going to change don't try to like i would say that something that something that's i don't don't, like not a mistake but something that people like to do is they kind of like force a structure into the team even though like Mm -hmm. the dynamic between each person is different and that can sometimes set you up for more conflict because like you're putting them into a position that they're not comfortable with so it's really important to just like feel the atmosphere of your team and stop dancing (laughs) (laughs) if you don't know claire's like doing tiktok dancing anyway i'm very easily distracted exactly so i'm helping myself focus by busying myself (laughs) sorry continue what was was i saying right the atmosphere like depending on the atmosphere of that team just go with the flow and go with what people are comfortable with and everything's okay from there i think you're already up for success if you do that okay last and final myth this is is this the most important one yes i think that this is the most important one i think this is really important yeah Yeah, it's really like controversial i think (laughs) Did I pronounce that right? No. <laughs> Contra- controversial? Controversial. Yeah. Right. Um, the biggest misconception is that if your partners disagree, well, well, if you and your partner disagree all the time, you guys aren't compatible as a debating team. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think? <laughs> I disagree massively. Yeah. I would tell the story of, um, not to out my team or anything, but um, for USA Nationals in Florida, Florida, was in or Florida. Texas, Florida or Florida, Texas, Florida. one of them, I think it was Florida, um, USA Nationals, this was maybe two years ago, I was with uh, person W, person A, and person N. <laughs> right, so... These three people, I usually partner with person W. I've mentioned them like three times this entire podcast so far. And Oh my god, I just realized that my partner H is not an actual person. Are we going like by the first letter of the I, name? I was because I can't. Oh, I just ran up. I just <laughs> made a completely different I was, letter. I was trying to think who person H was. No, no, no. Because my person H is actually a person W, but you already have W. Is it the same person? No, it's not the same person. Mine's a guy. Yours, oh. a, yours a girl. I don't read sign language. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we can talk about who our partners are later. But um, yeah. Well, my I was with these three people. Mm-hmm. Usually, I'm with one of them. The other one I had partnered with a couple times, but only at forensics in school because I do uh, debate at school as well. And the third person I had not partnered with for ever <laughs> because she used to she moved to the united states and had like only partnered with us for this tournament um and this is a lot of background information for like no reason but point being i did not partner with these three people together ever so it was like a weird thing to be thrown into a team with them and the problem is as we found ourselves prepping for this tournament we were so dysfunctional (laughs) like we had no cohesiveness in prep all the time we disagreed constantly about who should do what speaker positions um who should do which debates because we had four people and one of us had to sub out um, what the case should be, how we should spend our prep time. Like we disagreed about absolutely everything. And we also had some like personal conflicts that came out of like just really being tired and like yeah. beefing with other people. So <laughs> we had a lot of personal conflicts as well that happened like right before each day of the tournament. Like in the mornings, we would be like butting heads constantly. <laughs> in the car ride, it'd be like awkward silence. And then we'd get to the venue of the actual tournament, right? Most of this conflict happened before we got to America. Once we got there, mornings, tense. We get in the car, tense. We get to the venue, tense. (laughs) Prep time starts. A little bit tense, but, like, everyone puts aside their personal issues, their beef, their, like, tension, their anger, whatever, and works together as a team because we all know that we have the same goals here. We might be different in life. We might have, like, different agreements about, I don't know, what to wear to the <laughs> and like all these petty arguments. I would just like to say that this problem might just be for Claire because she is utterly obsessed with uniform coordination and color coordination. No, no, no. Hear me out. You this, love to make matching this was outfits. This not on me. This, <laughs> this team d- craziness was not on me. I'm happy to tell you about it individually, but I'm not going to out my partners like this um, I, I don't, on the podcast. But... We, we had we had like conflicts and I think I was out of most of it, but we had conflicts. But as soon as we were in the battlefield, we were a team, you know, we were yes. intellectually, <laughs> we were vibing like we were one, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we pushed against each other, but like in a way that was constructive towards building a case. We disagreed, but in ways that was trying to make our case the strongest. Like I just said like two things in different <laughs> the same thing in two different ways. This is ways. what I do all the time. <laughs> this is what I've been doing this entire podcast session. Um but 
the idea is we disagreed a lot and then we did well that tournament right mm -hmm. so we didn't have to get along as partners we didn't have to agree on everything in prep for us to perform well as a team and i think that's always an important thing to keep in mind is that just because you might not get along with someone at the moment out of the debate arena just because you guys might have intellectual disagreements doesn't mean that you make a bad team mm -hmm. yeah but like i think that it's not like you guys can definitely be compatible if you even if you disagree with each other but i also had some experiences where like i thought like we were really good on a social level outside of mm -hmm. debate and once we got into debate we were like no like we cannot do this like i remember i think it was it was probably a few years ago but there was this partner i'm just gonna call him partner s um it was for seoul it was a seoul open bp tournament in korea and we i think like just as a person we vibed very well so i thought everything was going to be okay and then like once we got into prep like our th mindsets and our thinking was just completely off like mm. we were just on different frequencies <laughs> and like literally i did not understand whatever he was trying to say he was an understanding of what i was gonna say and yeah i think that i was really stressed in that tournament just because of like lack of just connection on a debating level but not necessarily on a social level on a social level That's we're completely fine yeah like it's really weird and i think that in that case i was able to admit that we weren't that compatible as partners but i think that like i've also had really great experiences where i was bad with them socially like we didn't really know each other we kind of had beef and then like in prep time it was like fine <laughs> yeah. like I think it's just very like a lot of this is wishy-washy it can go either ways but just give a partner a good try or like try to partner with them like more than once before you kind of decide whether or not you want to like explore other options because like trust me when i say that one tournament does not define your dynamic with mm -hmm. that partner like oh, yeah. depending on the motions depending on what type of like what type of debate it is, whether or not it's BP or like world schools, that can drastically affect the way you think together and the way you push against each other's ideas. And even like in practice versus in an actual tournament environment, like mm -hmm. in tournaments where the stakes are higher, you might work much better together or much worse together. Yeah. Um, when the atmosphere is just different mm -hmm. or in prep, prep, the opposite what in practice <laughs> the opposite when you're much more relaxed or when you don't have necessarily the same sense of like tension and urgency mm -hmm. um i think the biggest takeaway from like all five of these myths is really there is no default to what makes for a good or bad partnership mm -hmm. you just have to approach every partnership with an open mind and i think communicate with your partners about like your experience if you just have a horrible experience you feel like you aren't compatible but you don't say anything mm -hmm. you can't bridge those divides right yeah um that's for me probably the most important thing to remember for myself about partnering is just to approach it with an open mind and know that everything is temporary that sounds really weird. that sounds really like mm, i think existential but like i feel like everything is not set in stone nothing is like yeah nothing is the default nothing is permanent yeah and also don't place too much importance on everything because that can make you kind of stressed for me i think like based off of the five myths what you should well i think what like most people in general should do is kind of like n don't be afraid to try new things 
and for everything you try try it a few times before you move on because many times there's a lot of external factors that might affect the way you feel the way your partner feels so just give each thing a try like a few tries and also be diverse in how you approach each tournament or how you approach each partner that you have um other than that i think yeah we just debunked myths about partnering for you and if you guys had any more questions feel free to reach out to us i hope you guys enjoyed our first episode yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) more to come hopefully and hopefully yeah we hope (laughs) hopefully it will come and we just hope that it's helpful to you guys and that we are giving you valuable advice yeah (laughs) or entertainment i don't know (laughs) anyway until next time until next time this is dialogy Dialogy deep Deep dive. dive